Hello and welcome to After Press, the podcast from Passenger Transport. My name is Robert Jack, editor of Passenger Transport, and I'm joined, as always, by my esteemed colleague, Andrew Garnett. Oh, hello. How nice. <laughs> you may have noticed, I hope you have noticed, that we've been away for a while. After publishing our final edition of 2020, we planned to return in January after an extended winter break. However, following the lockdown um, or the, the return of lockdown restrictions and the various consequences for our business and the businesses we work alongside, we grudgingly accepted that the most sensible thing to do would be to go into hibernation for uh, a few weeks. The podcast has also been in hibernation because you can't have a podcast called After Press if you haven't actually been to press. How frustrating. But we're back and we're very glad to be back because this week's edition is a very special one and I'll explain why. It comes out exactly 10 years and one day after two hopelessly naive young, well, younger men published the first edition of Passenger Transport. Are we, we, um, how do you feel about that, Andrew? 10 years. How can you believe that we managed to keep the show on the road for that long? I know, it's quite shocking really, isn't it? Gosh. Ten years of avoiding insolvents. No, not really. Um, no, it's um, you know, it's been quite nice to sort of look back, hasn't it, at um, at things and remember things and remember you know putting together that first issue and yeah, <sighs> I don't forget that at all. Actually, I still yeah. remember it very clearly and yeah. I remember that time very clearly. Um, Blood, sweat, and tears, wasn't it really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think we ever thought about oh, ten years, did we, or where no. we would. You know, or that we were just sort of, you know, when you start yeah. a new business like that, you're thinking about getting through the first 12 months, aren't you? And uh, Yeah. And there's no sort of manual, is there, that you can sort of pick up and 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 follow saying, you know, this is how you start a fortnightly magazine and a business. <laughs> We've learned a lot, didn't we? Because we, we were working as transport journalists. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and then we, we, we founded this magazine. And, of course, we had to... Um, we had to expand the, the range of things that we do greatly, didn't we? And uh, yeah. we get to understand. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun anyway. And um, it, it's uh, kept us out of trouble. And mm. we've um, we've built up an audience. And we made a lot of good friends along the way. And yeah. well, may it continue. Yes, indeed. We've, we sort of, we, put, we really, you know, get stuck into it, don't we? And um, yeah. But I, I, I just find it quite amazing that 10 years has passed. It feels about six months. <laughs> I, suspect, I suspect we might have reflected on it a wee bit more had it not been for, um, you know, the nature of the last year. Yes, you know, just, yeah, indeed. Uh, if you know, for everybody, it's just been uh, mm. all over the place, hasn't it? But um, So before I go on, perhaps we should share what, what you've, uh, you and I have been getting up to since our post-Christmas pause, um, a bit longer than our usual two-week interval. Uh, for me, it's, um, it's not that interesting. It's pretty much mainly childcare with the nurseries being closed. Uh, which is uh, fun and exhausting too, of course. But uh, but you actually have some exciting news, don't you? Yes, I a change. A change. I have. Yes, I finally, finally, after uh, you know, you think, gosh, what what's something exciting and fun you could do in the middle of an international pandemic? And I moved house, <laughs> and you know that made a, an already stressful um, thing to do not stressful at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I just, but no, I, I, I've left London after 20 years, well, most of the last 20 years, and um, I have a house, and I, I live in the west country, in the countryside, and it's, I'm looking out the window now, and it's all sunny and fields, and yeah, it's lovely, it's really, really nice, perfect. Um, should, I, should I tell the story of how I ended up living here? Yes. <laughs> Which was um, last January... 
um, I thought, oh, I'd really like, quite like to go to Imbabus, which for people who don't know is this um, um, event where um, a group of transport people uh, run old route master, old and new route master buses to um, the abandoned village of Imba on Salisbury Plain. And last January, I decided, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that in the summer, in summer 2020, and uh, foolishly booked um, a hotel room which was non-refundable and of course the pandemic happened uh Imberbus was cancelled and uh I thought not one to waste <laughs> a booking we ended up coming here anyway and um and instead of going to Imberbus uh we found a house for sale which um we bought <laughs> so it's all thanks to Imber in a strange way that um this has happened but I'm very very Fantastic. happy here um, well, will, will Imber be taking place this year, do you apparently think? Apparently it is, which is very handy for me because it's literally uh, 10 minutes away, which is rather no, that's handy. that's good. So, and um, you'll um, look out for details in the magazine because you I, usually indeed, put mentions indeed. in, don't you, on, indeed, on that. Indeed, yeah. yeah, we'll be uh, doing that. But no, I'm very happy. I'd like to um, empty a few more boxes and um, stop spending lots and lots of money on things, which would be quite nice as well. But um, yeah, but it's good. Hmm. Anyway, should we crash on? We should probably talk some transport, shouldn't we? Yeah, this is a post-press debrief, so if you've tuned in previously, you'll know that we're going to pick through some of this week's edition and draw your attention to some areas of interest. And I think there's a lot of areas of interest this time, if I do say so myself. Um, as ever, we're going to kick off with our lead story, which is the future can still be ours. Um, the COVID crisis has pushed public transport use off a cliff edge, with governments urging people to find other ways to travel and, where possible, not to travel at all. Um, but public transport professionals are actually quite optimistic, it seems, about the future prospects of their sector. Now, how do we know that? Well, pu passenger transport teamed up with data specialist CitySwift to undertake a survey. Uh, the state of UK public transport, harvesting the opinions of many well-known faces in the sector, 78 of them to be precise. Uh, think of it as a large focus group, revealing how the sector feels about the COVID experience and the future. The findings, um, well, here's, here's five key findings, uh, of which four of them are, are, are remarkably upbeat. Um, one, uh, public transport professionals give their own sector a 7.7 7, uh, out of 10 rating for its response to COVID. Uh, two, the COVID experience has actually left some positive legacies that might seem sort of, you know, um, counterintuitive, but, you know, such as uh, enhanced cleaning regimes and the accelerated use of data and technology. Ooh. Um, number three, 46% um, of our respondents expect public transport patronage to grow beyond pre-pandemic levels by 2030. So they, they think that it will not only recover what we've we've lost, and, and um, my word, we have lost a lot, haven't we? Mm. Uh, but it will exceed. Uh, so that's quite interesting. Only 35% believe it will be lower. Now that, that is quite interesting, isn't it, I think? Mm. Um, number four, 66 uh, percent think that efforts to achieve net zero are likely to lead to policies that constrain car use and promote public transport. So we'll come back to more of that later, I think. But uh, and then the the fifth one, which is um, uh, not not so much a positive point, but you know brings brings into focus the sharp reality of where we are. It's that there's a sharp reduction, you know, the the big a sharp reduction in demand. And fears about funding are the two main concerns for public transport professionals in the year ahead. So, so there you go. That it was a, an enlightening exercise 
for us. There's a, there's a hell of a lot more than that in the survey. And if you want to fully digest it, the best way to do so is to pick up a copy of the latest edition or go to our website. Uh, and we still have an additional section on data and technology to publish as well. So look out for that in the next edition Ooh. of Passenger Transport. So, Andrew, should we track back through some of those key findings and, um, and, and, and talk about them? <laughs> do you want me to be optimistic, do you? <laughs> yeah. Should we start with the first one or do you want to pick on one? No, different? no, no. The, let's, the, let's, the, let's go for, let's go for well, the first one. 7.7, uh, 7, let's round that up. 8 out of 10. Mm. I, I, mean, I think so. The public transport sector is pretty happy with how it responded. In mm. fact, um, one of the other questions I noted that many of them didn't feel that there was any particular action that they could have done had yeah. they been warned or had more warning about about the pandemic, um, I think they, they've so, done very well, haven't they? I think all yes, you know, all, you know, there's, rather like you know, two people starting a magazine. There's no manual you can sort of follow. Of um, <laughs> there's going to yes. be a pandemic, okay, guys. So um, um, this is what you do. They they had to. There was a lot of thinking on their hooves, wasn't there? So I think they've done. Um, yeah, I think they did really well, didn't they? They um, yes I mean, before. When things were all up in the air, um, there was a lot of uncertainty, but um, everyone um, sort of, they did really well, I think. But they are less impressed with the performance of the government, are they? aren't they? Um, mm. <laughs> because we, we asked the same question of how they rated the government's performance in relation to its approach to public transport. And in, in relation to that, you know, and you might say, well, hang on a minute, the government's handed out billions of pounds of extra money to help support the industry through this but the but the, but the, the our respondents have given the the government a 5.2 out of 10 rating um oh, you know God. i can see that 20 percent 20% of the respondents give them a one or two out of 10 oh. nobody nobody gives them 10 out of 10 no so um it's quite interesting isn't it I, I, i've got my theory for what that is i suspect you you would probably be in agreement I think that the people who work in this sector are pretty unhappy with that authoritarian uh, stay away yeah, from stay public transport message. The yeah. feeling that their sector has stay been away. vilified, uh, you know, given this sort of toxic image that's going to be difficult to remove. We've even seen these advertisements come out recently, haven't we? Um, you know, coronavirus gets the bus, coronavirus yeah. gets the train. You know, they're still at it, aren't they? Um it does seem that the sector is sort of unfairly being picked out by people who maybe don't have an affinity for it or what it does or, or actually the genuine level of risk. I don't even think it's that. I just think that um, they just don't think about it um, and don't think about the effects of what they say and, and the perceptions of it. Because, um, yeah, I, it, it's fairly poor, isn't it? Or Despite all this evidence, you know, there's continually TFL and... Various operators saying, you know, there's no evidence, and a new ITP have done international stuff, haven't they? Where you know, there's no evidence that public transport is a link, and you know, oh, um, yeah, everything's yeah. clean, and and uh, Alex Hornby and his mob with clean, safe, ready to go, and all that. And I think, yeah, yeah, it's going to take yeah, a lot exactly. to grow back from, isn't it? Yes, they're going to have to um, really get their shoulder behind the industry, aren't they? And try and um, push things forward and repair that that damage. And of course, we do not know the full extent of the damage that that has done to perceptions of public transport. Interestingly, I think the research shows from people like Transport Focus and others, I believe, that if you've actually got a bus or a train during the pandemic, you feel a lot more positive about the experience yeah. than if you haven't. So yeah. I think that's quite interesting and potentially encouraging that once you've got people, tempted them back on 
that they'll overcome their fears and they'll it's, remain. It's the fear users. factor, isn't it? You've just got to get over the fear factor. Yeah. I think the next one to pick out is this because uh, I, I particularly interested interested me. Uh, we uh, we just mentioned it. The forty six percent of people expect patronage growth. So they, they're, they're they're saying by the end of the decade we'll see more people on buses and trains now. Um, do you, do you think that that's um, what's what's your feeling on that, Andrew? <laughs> Uh, um, firstly, there's lots of pl- in play in that, you know, we've just discussed about the, the there could be some reticence to, to go near public transport as a result of, you know, this stay clear mm. of it message. But I think there's also things to consider like, um, you know, the, the pandemic has only accelerated, you know, trends that were already there, you know, of, of working from home and things like that and, I think there's it's I think there's going to be a struggle. I, I don't want this to be. I think it'd be great if it, you know. So you you, you think there's erosion of key markets, yeah. uh, greater home working, yeah. uh, the, the high street, um, more of that shifting online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so if if if, if you'd answered that, so if you'd <laughs> no no no, we we can have a nice little discussion here. Um, and if you had answered that question yourself, hmm. you know, did you think it would be significantly higher? higher about the same lower or significantly lower where would you have gone about the same you'd have gone for about the same so i I think i I think it will build back i think um um you know there's there's all sorts of initiatives to push people more towards public transport and all that sort of thing but i think there are wider societal changes with things like retail light home working um just you know society change i mean i think that but this touches on a theme that we've done in the podcast before about um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> me being perhaps mr optimist and you being mr pessimist maybe not so much glass half empty as glass empty and smashed <laughs> on the floor um <laughs> <laughs> but obviously having uh, been business partners as well over the last 10 years that that's been a feature of our working mm. relationship and it, it loathes me to say that andrew is generally right <laughs> <laughs> his, his pessimism is usually well founded, but but can can I can I paint a picture of positivity for you? Oh, go on then. Go on the mystic <laughs> and, and, and Meg. 20, Come on. And, and in twenty thirty, we can see who's right. In twenty thirty, we can look back and and you know, and the other can buy the the one who's right and the one who's wrong can buy a pint. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. All right, you're down in the southwest. It'll have to be cider now, won't it? But um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I I actually would have said higher, or I'd been tempted to go for significantly higher. Oh, and this this is why I suppose that I get the the, the I think working from home will grow massively, yeah, and yeah. that will hit commuting. I get that um, that, that that you know that more more shopping is likely to to go online, and you know in terms of our high yeah. streets, they're going to have to reinvent themselves and become more experience sort of led sort of type thing, right? You know, yeah, yeah. but um, but. Come on then, we help. Come on, Pollyanna. Seem to Let's have, have it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah, but uh, as we're going to touch on a bit later, um, there, are, there seem to be some serious moves to achieving modal shift. Um, we do mm. need to cut car use. We do need to have greener form of transport. That sooner, or, you know, politicians are coming around to realizing that just decarbonizing the tailpipe and get, putting us on electric cars is not going to do it. That's not going mm. to do it. It's not going to solve uh, our climate change problem and it's not going to solve all the other problems that we have that mm. relate to you know, yeah. um, you know car use 
And, you know, there are some who get it more than others, but the trend, as far as I can see, seems to be, and we're going to touch on some of this later on. So uh, that leads me to think, if you could chip away at car use, you only need to just chip away at a little bit of that monolith, you know, and if it, and it, and it sort of falls into your lap, it's huge growth for public transport. It's enormous. Yeah. Um, and I, I look at the city where I live, Edinburgh, and the fact is there are, you know, Edinburgh is a city with a very good bus network. Mm, um, of course. And, you know, people will say it's got a, a culture of public transport use and, you know, mm. you, you, will, you will find all sorts of people on the bus. It's not something that's just been relegated to those who really do have no choice. But at the same time, you have got a whole load of people making mm. very short journeys in the car. Mm. Uh, that they they don't need to or you know without you know you're getting to risky territory when you tell people what they do and don't need to do with their own personal property but um you know we'll come on to that later again as when we talk about scotland and michael matheson and the target there to cut car use mm. but we'll see who's right in 2030 yep. and uh, i yeah, look pro- forward to you buying it, me a pint <laughs> it will probably probably be you as always is. right <laughs> So, but actually, this follows on from my theme. The next one is that 66% of them expect mm. measures to achieve net zero to lead mm. to policies that constrain car use yes. and promote public transport. Yeah. So that, yeah. I suppose that's the reason, isn't it? But um, mm. but that there are huge um, huge mountains to climb, no doubt. But I, I think what we'll you know we probably won't go too much more into the survey. Um, have a look on the website or have a look in the magazine, and um, mm. and and also let us know what you think, please. So moving on uh, to pick out another story that I thought was uh, particularly interesting this time. Uh, We've got the managing director of transport for the West Midlands um, who has warned that any post-COVID cuts to public transport provision would hit society's most vulnerable people and hinder efforts to build back better. Uh, Laura Shove, um, who is also the chair of the new chair of the urban transport group made the remarks in an interview with leon daniels transport for london's former managing director of surface transport on uh, on leon's lunch with leon podcast and um i highly recommend that everybody listens to that episode and others because it's very good mm. um laura told to this podcast uh, she told she said um if we want to have a clean green equitable recovery from covid then we need a discussion about the role of public transport mass transport integrated transport networks play in that. So in the West Midlands, something like 30% of our population does not have access to a vehicle. They're entirely dependent on public transport network to get them around. These, in some cases, are the people who have been by far the hardest hit by this virus in the first place and are some of our economically most vulnerable. Uh, Shof later maintains that public transport is social justice. Um, I couldn't agree more. That's my own personal view. but it'd be interesting to see how successful that argument is in the in, in the months ahead when the, mm. the government is going to be under huge pressure to you know balance the books in the in the best way it can, having to make all sorts of um, unpalatable choices. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? Do you think uh, do you think the government will hear this argument and, and respond to it? Um, well, I, I actually think right. I, I'm going to be optimistic. Stand by. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've heard a lot about build back better which try saying that after a couple of pints of cider um, and things like that. And I, I actually think there's, there's a greater recognition about public transport now about, you know, its role in the pandemic of keeping key workers moving and things like that. Plus also we've got a bus strategy coming in the post at some point very soon. So I actually think that um, 
I'm going to be positive and say I think there is there is a bright future. And I think Laura made a very, very good point about the West Midlands, that 30% of um, the population there don't have access to um, a private vehicle. And I think... Um, if you're optimistic, uh, then hmm. I'll have to be wildly optimistic, won't I? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, here's, here's, here's three reasons why I think it, this argument will on, get... Will be heeded. First of all, if you were going to axe these routes, if you were going to say, "Sorry, we just can't prop it up any any longer," and you're just going to let you know twenty percent, thirty percent of the network just disappear, and you're going to say to somebody like TFWM, "Or oh, prop it up if you can," even though you, we know you don't have the funding, mm. um, uh, it'd be disastrous, as we know. Um, yeah. Why would you do that now after you've propped it up for twelve months? If you yeah. put all that money into it. Why would you then turn around and just let it disappear in one swoop? Yeah, I think I think yeah I think the yeah, that's a very good point. I think that's yeah. The second point would be you know austerity these days, or the idea of making cuts isn't quite as in vogue as it as it was when we launched passenger yeah. transport ten years ago. Um, you've got you know the government today is trying to sort of distance itself from what happened in those times, and mm. the idea of uh, it, it goes against you know we've we've heard a lot about the left behinds and uh, building back better and you know the, the prime minister is, is is has put transport at the heart of that he's talked about the need for better transport connections is he really going to have his legacy you know albeit you know with a pandemic being sweeping over the country that that we see a, a you know something that makes beaching look like nothing you know <laughs> mm. and then thirdly um you know once this stuff goes, if you let it just go more or less overnight or in the course of a year because you pull the funding, uh, we know how long it takes to grow back. It, it, you, yeah. Once you've taken it away, you've taken away the staffs, the depots, the vehicles, and you've just you you let it sort you of, come back. You, you yeah, know, the manufacturing capacity, the supplier base erodes, everything contracts back. You know, And w we have a government that is talking about wanting to make public transport the mode of first choice. They are talking mm -hmm. about public transport being the way out of so many of our problems, uh, whether it's climate change, cleaner air, um, employment opportunities, um, you know, helping out communities that are sort of not quite as plugged in or as prosperous as they might be, uh, public health, you know, it ticks every box. Why, if you need it, you can't just let it go away. So, and as much as um, the Treasury would be gnashing its teeth at this, and I'm sure we will see some things that we don't like or don't seem very. I, I find it hard to believe that they're not going to listen to what Laura and Co are saying. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, well okay. I agree. Well, <laughs> right. well, Leon Daniels agrees as well, actually. I'll, I'll just give you a quick mm. quote that he, he said on the podcast. Transportation is in the widest sense, uh, including mass transit, public transportation, including freight and logistics, ought to be seen as critical infrastructure the way that energy yes. and telecoms is. And he says, if there's a good thing to come out of this pandemic, after we've had the public inquiry and the press raked all over it, the government should make this critical infrastructure. But yeah. if we if we hadn't had public transportation, if we hadn't had the freight and logistics, we would be in a way worse mess than um, than the yeah. one that we're in. You know, basically. So um, can I just note at the minute, you know, we've got this we've got this rather um, world class. I'm going to use that horrible phrase, um, vaccination program going on, mm. and the. The number of um, bits of PR that have slid into our inbox over the past few months, five past few weeks, 
about you know bus operators stepping up services to get people to vaccination centres and things like that. Yeah. Can you imagine how this would played out if you know if they'd not been there and that sort of thing, of you know getting those oh, yeah. people to to their vaccine appointment. So I think yeah 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 I think um, would have been in a far far worse mess. So critical infrastructure, definitely. Um, and one last point to make on this, uh, Laura did actually talk about her hopes for the national bus strategy and uh, she would like to see more funding and more powers for transport for the West Midlands over buses. Now, uh, one of the things that actually came out in our survey that we didn't mention, and let me just pull out the statistic here, um, is that a, a, a massive uh, majority of people expect to see that there'll be a greater uh, public sector involvement in in public transport in, over the um, in the future. I can't actually find the statistic here. <laughs> I'm looking through the paperwork. I went, I went to Cuba 15 years ago on a trip, and I remember watching Fidel Castro on television, and they would have <laughs> <laughs> big, long political debates. And, and, of course, nobody was going to tell Fidel Castro that it's bad television if you spend ages looking through your... Um, <laughs> <laughs> through your notes for the right statistic well, that you I want. Well, I think but... you will find, Robert, it was over 80% of people, wasn't it? Said that it was going to be... Um, there we go. Thank you very uh, much. Very likely or likely to be um, a greater role for central and or local government to be involved in this. And I actually, I, I absolutely can see this happening. Um, it's, firstly, it's not surprising, is it? They're going to need no. to pump the money in to prop yeah. it up and, and that... I mean, we've. I think um, it was a good few months ago now that um, West Yorkshire floated the, about the fact that a lot, all this money had been pumped in, and um, there wasn't really any sort of meaningful say for local authorities or local transport authorities. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that, aren't we? Of, yes. Um, he who pays the piper calls the tune, basically. Mm. Um, I, I suppose the interesting thing is, uh, can they? somehow work with the current mechanism do they need to put new mechanisms in place are they going to look at franchising temporary franchise i don't know but we, we or that, something that will... completely different but the government might be. think when it's having a strategy that it's uh, it, mm. we will find out soon though won't we because the bus strategy is mm. due uh, some people i've heard some people say this month and i've heard other people say april so um, it's in the post isn't it so yeah Yes, yeah. indeed so uh, mm. but, but in laura's own words uh, there are some things that the government could give us can do that would give us more levers. We're pushing hugely for the devolution of BSOG. We can get better outcomes with more funding and powers that are devolved to us. What keeps, and then she later added, uh, what keeps me up at night is that we're going to wind up with not enough funding, not enough powers, and a hollowed out network. In the West Midlands, bus is our workhorse. 280 million journeys a year are on the bus. It's really, really important. Those services are lifelines to people. Mm. So there's, that's the question. How are we going to preserve these lifelines? Um, uh, some, we'll be watching closely to see what comes out of this bus strategy. They have some mm. big calls yes. to make, don't they? So moving on, our final story that we would like to draw attention to, I want to talk about um, Scotland's target to cut car use. Now, I'm interested in this for two reasons. Firstly, I live in Scotland. And secondly, I think it's absolutely huge. It's mm. enormous. Um, this came out before Christmas, and uh, it was after we had published our last edition, and it generated surprisingly little coverage. I, I did see it covered on BBC and elsewhere, but I would have thought that it might have got more. But, of course, <laughs> there have been one or two other things going on in the world, and, <laughs> and I, I am mindful of that. 
Uh, I was keen to hear more about this and we got the opportunity last month when Scotland's Transport Secretary, Michael Matheson, addressed the Transport Focus board meeting on a live stream. It was actually a live stream on Twitter, which was quite an interesting forum for, for such a thing. Um, Matheson explained how Scotland was developing a robust plan for reaching its national target of net zero emissions by 2045. He told the meeting, not least in terms of bold policy proposals is our commitment to reducing car kilometres by 20% by 2030, which I believe is not just a first for the UK, but maybe a first in term, maybe a world first in terms of a target that we have set us set to achieve over such a short period of time. I think it, I've not heard of anywhere else in the world set a, a you know a national, subnational you know a body of you know with mm. country with five million people set a target like this. It, it strikes me as, um, as 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 an enormous step forward. Mm. Um, so Matheson said he also said he had some other words that will be encouraging. He said he was very keen to work on implementing bus priority measures. And he pointed to the 500 million pounds worth of funding that the Scottish government stumped up for this. And then commenting on the various different strategies and plans that are in place in Scotland. He said, overall, the core aim at the heart of um, our strategic uh, strategic transport reviews project two, that's called STPR2, national transport strategy and our climate change plan is to make sure that we start to address and reduce the level of unnecessary travel, which is simply unsustainable. I, I found that quite interesting as well. The, the acknowledgement that, 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 that a lot of the journeys we make could be made another way, should be made another way, and will have to be made another way if we're going to achieve our net zero target. And also one thing he doesn't mention here, but I've heard mentioned before is uh, in Scotland and the wider UK is that CO2, transport is a sector that really has not managed to make progress on CO2 emissions in the way that other sectors have. And, you know, everyone is looking to transport to, to start to, to, to make some ground here. Uh, finally, he said that, that he felt there was going to be a sustainable transport hierarchy at the very core of their capital spending commitments. Although, of course, it has been pointed out that Scotland's still spending quite a lot of money on road projects that they might mm. consider would be... Uh, you know, spend better elsewhere, perhaps. But, but Andrew, this is the stuff of dreams, isn't it? Or am I being wildly optimistic yet again? <laughs> a, a meaningful commitment to modal shift, whereas before we've tended to have this sort of half in, half out at best from politicians who fear a backlash from motorists. Mm. Well, a lot of the time, I think in the past, we sort of when politicians talk about modal shift, it's sort of you can hit, you can sort of see the bunny ears around them saying modal shift. Um, but I think um, I think this it's quite I think it's quite bold and it kind of builds on um, um, Scotland's plans to decarbonise um, passenger rail services by um, uh, 2035. So I think they can, as long as there is that you know political will to do these things, they could achieve it. But you know it's it's as long as we don't go back to you know saying modal shift with bunny ears around it. <laughs> well it makes yes, sense yeah yeah I, i've probably done my rant on um on, on, <laughs> on, 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 on the uh the rise and fall of a modal shift mm. post-1998 and the you know, labor government coming in talking about it and then hitting the road mm. fuel protests and then backing away sharpish yeah and it, it becoming a, almost a, a dirty word something people didn't mm. want to talk about do you remember, and he'll be forgotten, and rightly so, uh, Transport Minister um, 
John Speller, who mm, said it was yes. it was okay to park in a bus lane, you know, if you were just popping oh, in for God. some for a newspaper. I mean, you know, it was just a banging our head against the wall against with with this sort of thing. Mm. Philip Hammond coming in and and immediately talking about uh, the a war on the motorist, oh, uh, oh. a war that. Mo- uh, a war on the motorist that the motorist seems to be winning <laughs> since they've, they've invaded the cities very effectively anyway. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. I suppose you make a point about the election and I hadn't really thought about mm. that. It'll be interesting to see whether Scottish Conservatives, Scottish Labour uh, are able to sort of throw this back and make any any impact, whether they will say, look, you know, SNP wants to stop you driving, it'll be, you know, or, or perhaps they get it as well. Perhaps that wouldn't be a line they want to do. Uh, I do know Scottish Labour did put up a pretty vociferous opposition to the introduction of workplace parking um, in the transport bill here in Scotland. Uh, so, you know, they, they, that could be a tactic that they might decide to do, you know. Um, well, no, I, think, I, I, I presume that um, I, I think a lot of these policies like this, which are um, is it in Yes Minister where they describe it as a courageous um, <laughs> it's a very brave minister, policy? Very brave. <laughs> um, I think um, as long as there's the political will to do these things, I mean, otherwise you end up with, uh, you know, oh, just go and park in a bus lane. I, you know, we'll have to see. But I am encouraged because of, you know, the, the already established plans they have for firstly that money they're going to put into buses and also secondly the uh, plans to decarbonise rail. But I'm going to be sceptical. <laughs> well, uh, Matheson, uh, Michael Matheson, he he did say very much that these targets would be, there would be a structured plan that would not just sit on a shelf and that he, they will follow it Good. through and they will do something. Now, of course, you said target. Are you planning to do it with carrot or stick? I think m- yeah. most people in the sector will know you're going to need a bit of both. Mm. Uh, how, how you achieve that. It, but it could be enormous. I mean, what, what, how many car journeys are made in Scotland? Uh, what's 20 percent of them what does that do if 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 a if a large chunk of that actually transfers onto bus or train or tram could be enormous absolutely enormous um yeah so another interesting thing might be that we have seen scotland stumped up its 500 million pounds for buses uh specifically bus priority schemes uh when would that be 2019 autumn 2019 i think it was if i remember rightly certainly 2019 anyway i remember asking baroness veer whether england would find a similar sum of money for buses um i was told there wasn't a magic money tree uh the similar sum of money would be five billion if you factored up the population lo and behold five billion was pledged (laughs) <laughs> not, not 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 long afterwards so they did find that magic money tree didn't they and, and thankfully they they harvested it and gave the fruit to the bus sector uh, although i think buses have to share it with some cycling initiatives in england i think that uh, i'm not exactly sure what the split is that money is still there five billion now we've seen a scottish transport secretary actually say no we, we, we want to achieve modal shift and we are setting a target for car reduction we're setting a target against that might we see Westminster follow that line could we could that be the case is this the beginning of a a trend that we're seeing in Scotland or not it will be interesting to see so the COP26 summit um, global climate change gathering will be held um, either live or virtually or however they're going to do it in November in Glasgow uh, and, uh, you know, all of this is against that backdrop. Uh, and uh, uh, Scottish 
politicians will want to make sure that they're in tune with that and so will Westminster actually won't they yeah. you know they will want to use that as a platform to push their environmental credentials and show that they are genuinely genuinely going to make a difference anyway I think I, I'm I, I think I've said enough about that I think we uh, before um, I go I always ask you um what are your plans to have for the weekend? You're an, a lockdown weekend, but a, lo- a weekend in new in- <laughs> you're exploring your new environments. I know. I know. Well, I, I've got something very excited booked because I've booked a slot to go to the rubbish dump. Oh, right. Okay. That's my weekend plan, is I'm going to the rubbish dump. You do have to book a slot, don't you, these days? <laughs> yeah, you have to. Well, the, the local council, you have to to ensure social distancing and all that. And... Um, yeah, it, it, it was a very complicated process. But, but my weekend plan is I'm going to the rubbish dump and I'm going to have some nice walks in the countryside. Yeah, same here. More walks. That's just about the only thing mm. that's... that's yeah, it's that's the only thing you can do, really. Oh, yeah. and, and uh, taking my son to a play park. That's about the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, not, he's only really been talking for the past year. He did say to me the other day, could we go to another place that was indoors? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dear. Where oh, do you dear. begin? Yeah. So, oh, um, mm. one last thing, as ever, we want to say a big thank you to all of our loyal subscribers. You, you are the people who make this all possible. All yes, ten years you. of it. Ten years of it. Thank you for Ooh. that. Um, thank you so much. And if you don't subscribe, you really must just visit passengertransport.co.uk for all the uh, all of the details. And just between us, you can save twenty five twenty five percent. Of all subscriptions by how much twenty five percent twenty five percent by using a special promo code at the online checkout. What is that promo code, Andrew? It's discount twenty five. It's all discount twenty five. All one word. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pastrans. Join our LinkedIn group, Passenger Transport, and also follow Andrew on Twitter too oh, at don't. Andrew Garnet seventy eight. <laughs> I, I actually I I went on there. I've been on there. The past couple of days, past couple of days, I've been on there, and uh, I I uh, retweeted our birthday, yeah, um, from Pastrans, and I also posted uh, a picture of my office, my underground song. Oh yes, yeah. so if well, you want to look at what I'm looking at yeah. right now, get on Andrew's Twitter and, and have a look at his <laughs> his, his, his magnificent was, his magnificent bookcase. Concerned in that <laughs> my love hate relationship with. Social media, in that someone informed me that they were look going through my books <laughs> <laughs> and critiquing them, which I thought, I thought, gosh, and now I know what it feels like to be a member of the royal family. You know, when the Daily Mail does, um, <laughs> does you know where the, where the Queen's radiator came, electric radiator came from, and things like that. I felt that that's yes, that's. If you do go on Andrew's Twitter and you do critique his books, please send us your thoughts and. Um, I- <laughs> I promise I will raise them in the next podcast in two weeks' time. So, <laughs> we've reached the terminus. Thank you, Thank you Robert. Thank you. <laughs> we've reached the terminus. Everyone should alight here, please. Uh, we look forward to joining you all again in two weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye.